Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of plants for flower Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Today I welcome Steve McCurdy from Majestic Trees back to the podcast. I'm concerned, as I'm sure many of you are, with the effect that diseases like xylella and factors like Brexit will have on the tree-growing community. So I'll be discussing those issues with a real expert. My thanks to Westland Horticulture, sponsors of this podcast, and of course my producer, Charlie Jones. Last weekend was a a weekend of two halves. Saturday, unbelievably glorious autumn weather, you know, and remarkably warm. Do you know, I was working in the garden in my shirt sleeves. And then, of course, the next day, I think it best described as Scottish mist. I mean, it just drizzled all day with us, really dark, dull day. The opposite of what we'd had. And then, of course, on Sunday night, we had quite a lot of rain in Essex, and it was really needed. You know, my soil is still pretty dry. But the raspberries, boy, they're enjoying the wet I'm picking some really beautiful autumn raspberries uh, steadily week by week uh, and a good few strawberries. My sweet peas are sown. I was late ordering, I'm afraid, but uh, fortunately E.W. King turned my order round very quickly. So thanks very much to the folks at Coggeshall. Those sweet pea seeds are in. And at the local school, I'd noticed in the Marshall Seed Catalogue that they had a page of seeds that you could sow now. And so I got some of the salad leaves and the radish. The children sowed them. And now, five weeks later, they're harvesting some really lovely fresh salad leaves and pulling radish. That's what kids need. Things that come up and grow quick and they can harvest pretty well straight away. They went off with great excitement to the school kitchen, ready for the cook to prepare fresh salads for that day's lunch. Dutch researchers are growing blackberries using supplementary LED light with the aim of harvesting ripe fruit right through the winter. You know, the modern cultivars of blackberry are much sweeter and they're being eaten raw, like strawberries. And so it'll be interesting to see whether with uh, this latest LED lighting we can actually home-grow them in the northern hemisphere pretty well year-round. The cooperative English Apples and Pears, uh, usually see it as three initials, EAP, has unveiled figures that show how it aims to raise yields of apples to 60%. I mean, we currently produce about 42%, uh, and they think that in uh, 10 years or so, we can increase that by 50%. I mean, British apples tick all the boxes. You know, they're good for health, good for nutrition, 
good for the carbon footprint, you know, they're convenient, homegrown, and of course have quality. I uh, put my teeth into the first Cox's Orange Pippin just a week or two too early perhaps, but boy, they're great apples. If you have those pretty fresh from a British tree, they're unbeatable. And there are some fantastic new varieties coming along too. They tell me in this uh, EAP report that it's uh, seven to ten years away from robots picking all the apples. So there we are. We live in an amazing world. And the thought of uh, mechanical robots going down the orchards picking all the fruit. (laughs) Who would have thought of that? Now, when it comes to our own garden, then get the compost heap sorted. You know, just tip it out. And at the bottom, there should be some nice, well-rotted material. You can always test, because if it is well-rotted, it will just snap. You know, the hard stems just crumble. And if it's not ready, then just shake it up to get the air in. If it's dry, just damp it a bit. And, you know, I always put two boxes of lawn mowings in at the bottom of a new compost bin filling, because that heats up and gets the thing really going. Any compost that is well rotted, well then you can just barrow it if you've got a veg garden onto the veg plot, ready to dig that in. I don't like to start digging until all the leaves are down because once it is dug, that soil needs to stand exposed to all the weather it can throw at it. And this week we'll be launching a spring flowering bulb festival. Uh, which is going to run from the 6th of April for eight days, and we're going to have a little competition to see who can grow the prettiest container. There'll be news of that in uh, our sun gardening spread on the 20th, and we've also recorded a little video uh, showing planting up a container with tulips and wallflowers ready for the spring flowering bulb competition next April. I actually happened to pop into Cooling's Garden Centre at Knockholt this week. Boy, they got a fantastic display of bulbs and really big ones too, good quality. There has been a tendency this year with uh, high prices due to some extent the uh, reduced crop from the rather difficult spring season and some garden centres are reducing the size of bulb to get price points. And that really is uh, not a good idea. If you buy the biggest bulbs, as uh, George from Diego was telling us a week or two ago, you get much bigger flowers. With Narcissus, you get more flowers. And the bulbs are much more likely to, to have the vigour to keep growing year after year rather than just one flowering and then disappeared. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My guest this week, uh, I'm very pleased to welcome a repeat visit by Steve McCurdy. Boy, how I admire his uh, energy and enthusiasm. Steve, how are things there on the, the Majestic Trees Nursery? It's been a challenging year, to be honest with you. Um, first, we had 150 mil of snow on December the 10th, and constant rain or snow for four months, which hurt the spring sales. And then we went at a fantastic mid-April, May, June, and sales were rocking and rolling because it was lovely weather, and people think about their gardens, and there was some catch-up in that period. But then, of course, suddenly we went into, you know, host bite bans, drought orders, and you know, the press loves to stir that one up. And then people start thinking, well, how am I going to water my trees? So it really hurt business again. So it hasn't been the best year. We've done an awful lot of um, investment for the future and expanding the nursery because we believe in the future, but it's not been the simple, easiest year. And, and what about um, trees generally? Because as I was driving about, before we had the heavy summer rain late July, early August in the southeast the trees look really sad you know they they, they had their leaves down almost you know uh. well I mean I think it's really the transpiration in 35 degree temperatures day after day they just couldn't keep up there wasn't enough water residual in the ground for them to sustain themselves so a lot of them were you know started dropping leaves early or you know depends what part of the country you're on too as far as where the water table was but there's a lot of stressed trees as a result and will they survive well majority will as long as they got enough water to you know where they but there'll be some die back in the crown die back i'm sure and there'll be some trees that will fail because of the heat yeah now, now, one of the main reasons for inviting you today is there's some really exciting news for a student who wants to grow trees. Now, can you tell me a bit more about that? Well, I mean, it's, it's always something dear to my heart because I started this industry in 1976. In 1979, I was a, a lucky um, one of two that were chosen that year to go abroad and we went to the United States. We didn't learn so much about horticulture. We did learn all about thinking big and the nothing is impossible attitude. And it was a really eye-opener for me in my career. And it's always something I've felt I would like to reciprocate. So me and my wife discussed it and prodded by you truthfully. Because um, you, you talk about my energy. You're amazing how much energy you have. But um, we decided it, we'd fa- like... Steve, it's fading. It's fading <laughs> fast. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so we decided we should we should do the same. So we're going to offer this scholarship, supported by the um, by Jeff Seabrook Foundation, to um, have a someone who's been studying horticulture, who has a passion for tree production, to go and study for a year overseas at a number of select nurseries around the world, where they can really broaden their skills and see the world at the same time. 
uh, and then come back to England. And if they wish, they can work at our nursery for the, the year after that. So they can really understand what tree production is all about. Well, Steve, I think it was 1976 when I went to America for the first time mm. by invitation of the American Association of Nurserymen. Um, I was uh, you know, working on nurseries at that time. And like you, it opened my eyes. I went to one nursery where they had a shade house rooting ewes and it stretched for a mile. Mm. I mean, the, our tiny production and our problems were nothing by yeah. comparison with what I saw there. And so, you know, young people need to travel, don't they? Yeah. And I think we need to really, you know, show the whole UK, you, you know, young people of today that horticulture's got a great future. That's something they can really consider because so often they think people that are sick going to horticulture. When truthfully, we need smart young people who like to grow, who understand how things grow, who want to learn to go to college and really study production because it's the future. And, you know, whether it's food or ornamental, you know, there's, there's a big future in, um, in horticulture. And, and alongside uh, um, your 2500 grant for travel, the David Colgrave Foundation also offers um, other scholarships for other sections of the trade. And now's the time for young people to get online and make applications, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a fairly simple process when it gets down to Obviously, you need to you know, be serious about it because that's why, why you'd be considered. But the, um, it gives you an opportunity to do something maybe you couldn't afford to do when you finished college because you paid you know, school fees, living expenses, tried to work part-time. And you, know, you think that would be a great idea, but so, so often young people can't afford to do it. And so in practice, if I was at, say, Rittle or Cable Manor or any of the horticultural colleges uh, studying horticulture or arboriculture, come to that, um, I, I would apply for this scholarship and then uh, you would actually help with the placement? Yeah, we, um, we'd set you up, tell us what country you'd like to go. We'd give you a bunch of examples of nurseries you could work at around the world. And you may have particular leanings to go and work in Germany or in Australia or, you know, who knows where you'd like to work. And, um, you know, the United States. And we then set it up and the, um, the visa would be obtained, etc., as part of this package. And in addition, at the finish of that, uh, if they were interested, there would be a job offer possibly with Majestic Trees. Yeah, that's definitely we'd like them to do a year of production experience and containerized tree nursery in the UK. And obviously, we'd like them to stay there thereafter, but they may have other ideas, but at least to get their all-round experience of in-field production and containerized production. I mean, if I wanted, say, a cedar that was 30 or 40 foot high with an enormous root ball, you could uh, supply that, lift yeah. it up on a crane right over the roof and into somebody's back garden? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got two big cedars going out today on this order. There's two of the trailers got big cedars on them. You know, the biggest one was like 11, 12 metres today, so it's a good-sized cedar tree. Yes, yeah, so that's over 30 feet in old money, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And what would that weigh, then, the root ball? It's about four and a half, five tonnes. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, I mean, when you mention trees in gardens, we think of something, you know, that you could put in the boot of the car. Yeah. But that's far from what majestic yeah. trees do. Yeah. But we had smaller trees, I mean, from 80 litre on, but it's, you know, it's just logistics, understanding how to handle the stock and, without damaging it. 
Yeah. And to get it to grow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, they're grown in the airport, so the airport grows a fabulous fibrous root system, so it has a really good chance of success, extremely high chance, in fact. And very secure anchorage once they're planted, so that mm-hmm. fine root can get out and, and re-establish the tree. Now, what about um, plant health, Steve? You know, I'm particularly worried about xylella, and, mm. and we've just heard that... Um, an olive tree shipped from Spain to Belgium has been destroyed because of this yeah. disease. That's a bit close to home, Belgium, isn't it? I mean, mm. you know, stuff's being shipped from Belgium into yeah, the well, UK all the time. Well, I mean, Zayala is a very, very serious disease that if we get, it be, could be catastrophic for our industry. But, um, I mean, will it ever come? I think there's a high probability it will. But if we if we really do our best, we could definitely contain it and we you know hopefully put it off as long as possible. But I mean, this olive outbreak was a bunch of olive trees that came from Spain. There's reports that it was found on as many as three of the plants. It, the, the particular trading nurse, and this is one thing our customers and the, and the public really need to understand. There's a lot of people that call themselves nurseries. They're not really nurseries. They're just virtual nurseries. And sometimes they literally work out, work out their bedroom with a website that looks like they own a nursery and have photographs from nurseries around Europe. And all they're doing is just trading. Now, this was actually a trading company that actually trades the plants through their facilities in Belgium, but they don't grow the trees. And this particular nursery had bought lots of olive trees and was trading them. And um, they found one report says three, one says one, but they've destroyed all their olive trees that they had on their holding company. And they've vowed they're never going to buy olive trees again because they're afraid that people won't touch their plants, obviously. Um, They claim it's been contained and they've found no further outbreaks. So hopefully that's the case. But they just so, you know, the problem is Zyella only shows when the plant is in leaf. And when they're coming into dormant season, when Zyella could be moved on plant material that is, that is dormant. And you won't know about it till next summer. And, and Steve, if you're a trader and you have an infected plant and the uh, government authorities come in and close that unit down, as a trader, you can move. But if you're a nurseryman, you know, with fields and fields of trees and by chance you get an infected tree... It could be catastrophic. Mm. Well, I mean, that's the, the EU rules, understandably, are very strict about if you get Zayella because they're terrified of what it can do. Um, but, you know, if they f- decide the infection has taken hold, then they could literally sh- close you down for five years, which would be catastrophic for a nursery that's invested, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions and millions of pounds in stock production over a number of years, etc. It couldn't suddenly sell their plants. They could be out of business very quickly. Where a trader, of course, he just has to change addresses and move to you know another spot, and away he goes again. So there's very little risk with with a trader, and they don't they're not controlled by the measures that we are controlled by, which is a big loophole in the law. I mean, there are two messages. If you're buying any kind of woody nursery stock, if it can be homegrown, so much the better. But you mm-hmm. need but you need to go to. Uh, reputable, well-branded companies, don't you? Mm. If you go to the garden centre, ask the questions, because so many of our garden centres are fairly lax, and they they say they're getting more strict now, but they, they use these flying Dutchman and Belgium companies that come with huge widgets and drags, and some of them are very good companies, but some are just buying the cheapest plants they can find in any part of Europe and just trading it 
through Holland, and then they drive and they come like a, it's like a, a sweet shop when they open the back of their trucks because they're all rigged out with loads and loads of Dutch trolleys. And the, the buyer of this garden center has got a lovely weekend. The weather looks great. And so they want to fill the place up with plants. And they're just going to, you can spend 10,000 pounds very quickly in the back of one of those trucks. Yeah. And hopefully they're very strict who they're buying from. But you, they need, we need to ask the questions too when we go to buy. Because, you know, south of Italy has got a zero Isla problem. And there's a lot of plants coming out of southern Italy and going somewhere. And of course, unfortunately, Spain has Isla and certain parts of France, and now, of course, they've just found it in Belgium. So it's very important. You know, I think people shouldn't buy olive trees anymore, to be honest with you. They shouldn't buy polygala. There's, you know, lavender. There's lots of things that are very high risk, and there's seven plants that they consider very high risk um, for zyella. And it, but unfortunately, it does affect, you know, five, five 600 plants. That's the big problem with Zyla. It's not one of those things that, like, oak processionary moth or just is going to attack our oak trees but it's going to affect the whole landscape as we know it today. And we also need everyone who's listening today to be cautious. It would be easy, wouldn't it, for somebody travelling on holiday into Spain or Mm. Italy to bring a plant back and unwittingly introduce this tremendous problem. Mm. I mean, I think we've got very used to free movement of people and plants, everything around Europe, and that's a big weakness in the law. It sounds great in most ways, but the opportunities for the good and the bad, can be horrific. And it's like Fuchsia Galmite, they reckon, was brought in a suitcase, and that's yeah, you know, a real yeah. problem now. There's almost a 1,000 pest diseases on the radar that DEFRA has said are a threat to British you know, horticulture. And we've had more pest diseases arrive in the last five years than the previous 10, and the previous 10 over the original hundred, first 100 years. You know what I mean? So yeah. we've got to get serious about it. It's like the Prince of Wales said, we've got to start asking when are we going to start doing something because how many trees do we have to lose from our, our British native you know, landscape? Yeah. And we've lost Dutch elm. That was you know, 30 years ago. But now we're losing castaneas, Aeschylus, you know, chestnut trees, which us boys used to play with conkers, but now they're all covered in bleeding canker and leaf miner. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, oaks is next, pines is, is one thing after the other we keep losing. And what about Brexit? I mean, <laughs> might that be of benefit to us? <laughs> Horticulturally, I think it will be. If we, if we really do things smart, um, unfortunately, the plant passport system sounds good on paper. It replaced the phytosanitary certificates, which were quite paper-intensive, and you had to do a lot of checks. But um, the problem is any nursery in all of Europe, whether East and Southern Europe, can issue a plant passport. And they can issue on plant material they've brought in from other parts of the world, illegally often, and then it's suddenly a European plant. And that is really why we're getting so many pests and diseases, because of the people, loopholes in this law and people breaking the law, and then the stock's just moving around Europe willy-nilly. And we've got to start taking it seriously that this is a real problem. Well, Steve, thank you very much for spelling out the dangerous message today and particularly a big thank you for supporting some young student at the end of their course next summer to go off and have their eyes opened as to the opportunities in horticulture. It's great to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. What's on? Well... The Royal Horticultural Society Wisley Garden has a taste of autumn until the 21st of October 
and also on the 21st, uh, there are a lot of Apple Days. Uh, you'll need to look on the web or your local newspaper. For example, Cambridge University Botanic Garden, they have an Apple Day uh, on the 21st, and they're very well worth going. At Wisley, they've got a conifer show too on the 21st. Conifers always look good at this time of the year. They have the uh, late summer, early autumn, new growth, and they look very good. So uh, worth going out, I think. Enjoy the autumn colour and those lovely misty mornings. Thanks again to Westland Horticulture, sponsors of this podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.